with this, it's so much, it pertains so much to our Christian living is that we really, it isn't about our talents. It's not about how good we are at something, how, how good we can speak, how good we can witness, how good we can teach Bible studies. You know, the list goes on and on. Just how, what kind of this, this charismatic personality we have and all this stuff, it, it, it all boils down to faithfulness in our Christian living. You know, it's a fundamental, faithfulness is, is fundamental to Christian living. And we gotta remember that is, and in fact, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the things I want to hear, one of my goals in my life is to hear this, and it's from Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21. And it says, his, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. If we can hear, if we can hear God say that to us, we are, we're in good shape. We have, we have run the race, we've, we've set the course, run it, and we've finished it, <clears throat> like Paul said. So we have to be faithful. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I mentioned about the basics. The you know, basics, that, you know, Christianity is so simple. It's so simple that a, that a six, seven-year-old kid can do, can live Christianity. They can. I, I, I remember our son Cody getting the Holy Ghost. I think he was maybe eight years of age. And you think, you know, what could a kid do? But, you know, it, it put a, it put, I remember, it put a song in his heart. I mean, he was, he came back from, at camp, receiving, received the Holy Ghost, and he was singing. It made a difference in a little eight-year-old kid. And so the basics, any kid can do it. Any kid can pray. Any kid can, he can read the Bible or listen to the Bible. He can understand it. I mean, he, I remember one time when Cody was just a little kid, he laid hands on my wife when she was sick, and God, God healed my wife. So even a kid, it's so simple. Christianity is, is so simple, even a kid can do it. And, and um, the key to everyday Christian living is faithful to the basics. And I cannot, I cannot, and you cannot possess what we do not pursue. That's just life. We have to pursue, to possess some. If we want a prayer life, we're going to have to, we are going to have to pursue our prayer life. Whatever we want in life, we have to pursue. You know, and there might be some, there might be some fat chance out there in life, not in spiritually, but in life, that, that somebody didn't pursue something and it just fell in their lap, right? But most of the time, even in life, you have to pursue it to get it. If you want it, if you want to possess it, you got to pursue it. And that's the way it is with Christian living, is we're going to have to, if we want it, we're going to have to pursue it. We're going to have to be faithful to our pursuit of whatever we want spiritually. <clears throat> and so I'm going to talk about, well, I just want to say this. So the remainder of this study, the, <clears throat> the next lessons, is going, to be <clears throat> is going to be about things that are in the Bible that that speaks about like daily, and today we'll talk about daily, <clears throat> something that's spoken about in the Bible daily, and, it's, and uh, also things that are spoken that it's, it's, um, 
it, it'll say always or always. <clears throat> but the, and of course, the Bible, you know, the, if the Bible tells us to love the Lord, the God, our God, with all our heart, soul, strength, and might, it, the implication there is that it's not part-time, right? We don't do it sometimes and we don't do it another. Of course, that's the, that is the implication. We're, if we're supposed to have no other God before, no idol before God, the implication is we don't do it on one day and do it. We, we have one one day and not another day. And we all know that. What the Bible says, we're supposed to live it. But the Bible says to do some stuff daily some stuff to always do it. And we will go into some of those. And, and today we're gonna to talk about the first, the first one and the most important spiritual discipline that we can do in our life, and that is prayer. It's the most important thing we can do. And um, <clears throat> it's been emphasized since I came in the church, it's been emphasized, prayer has been emphasized by Brother Walters, I, we, I know we weren't in the church very long and we had the acronym PUSH, pray until something happens. I don't remember how many years, that was a lot of years, but Brother Walters emphasized prayer. He emphasized pre-service prayer. And I, it's something that's ingrained in me. Even when I go, I mean, it's kinda, <clears throat> it's easy to get in your comfort zone, right? You, you're here. You know, you have a district event and it's kind of different because there's a lot of different people, a lot of people talking, stuff like that. So you get out of your routine and you go to somebody else's church and sometimes you, you, you sit there and you think, well, am I getting, am I, do I, do people think I'm more holy than them because I'm praying and all, you know, I, of course that stuff goes through your mind, but it's, it's absolutely ingrained in my, in my mind that I have to pray before services. And it's been that way for years. Brother Chuppy is, and Brother Chuppy came up under Brother Walter, so he had the same, and he had the same emphasis on it. And, um, you know, prayer, prayer. We've, I've heard that all my Christian life is to pray. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, when I look at history, it was, it's the driving force. You know, it's a driving force in Acts, right? Acts chapter two, they were all praying. They're with one accord. You look at Topeka, Kansas in 1900, where the, <clears throat> where the revival, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in America happened. It, it started with prayer. You look at Azusa Street, that started with a prayer meeting. All those things, revival starts with prayer. So prayer is, Prayer is a relationship described by closeness and intimacy. Prayer is a conversation. We cannot have a relationship without a conversation. We can't start one, we can't maintain one, and we can't grow one. Right? That's conversation is, I mean, it would have been hard for me to marry my wife if I never talked to her. Right? We have to, st we have, to have a conversation. We have to, if we want to start a start a relationship we have to have conversation if we want to maintain a converse a relationship we got to have conversation if we want to grow a relationship we got to have conversation and the deeper our conversation is the deeper our relationship is faithfulness 
is fundamental to Christianity, consistency, dependability, trustworthiness, and reliability. Faithfulness is fidelity. Faithfulness is fidelity, right? It means having no other God before us. And that is, that's the same way it is within a marriage, is that we would, we would forsake all other relationships with the opposite sex, with, with our marriage, and that is with our, with our relationship with God is, is fidelity. It's prayer is a reliance on God for our spiritual and physical needs and for God's kingdom and, and for others. That's what prayer is. It's for our spiritual and physical needs. It's for mine, it's for yours, it's for me praying for you, you praying for me, it's for the body of Christ. And um, it's how we receive from God, is, prayer is how we receive from God. It's far more than meeting our needs. Prayer is God's primary mean for us, for our coming to know him and experience his transforming power through his spirit. Prayer changes us. And I added one more to it. After I walked away from the computer, I said, prayer is a privilege. It is an absolute privilege that God would allow us to pray and change us and to help people change. I'll just say it that way. <clears throat> Brother Paulson read Exodus chapter 30 and verse 7 when he, he taught on prayer. Exodus chapter 30. And I didn't get, I'm sorry, I did not get the verses. <clears throat> So I don't know if they will be up there, but Exodus chapter 30 and verse seven. And Aaron shall burn there. And he talked about, he talked about incense being a type of prayer. So incense was a type of prayer in the, in the Old Testament uh, tabernacle. And he, it says, and Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning when he dresses the lamps and shall burn incense upon it. So. Prayer is supposed to be done, well, here it says, and I'm a big proponent of morning prayer. And I know some people are not morning people, but I'm a big proponent of, of morning prayer. And um, I'm, I'm the best in the morning. That's my best time of my day. And I go, it goes downhill since, you know, about 4.30 it starts going downhill. Five o'clock, nice. Eight o'clock, I'm ready for a nap. And no, I'm just kidding. But it's that's my best time of my day, and I'm a big proponent for morning prayer. And, and if you're if you're a late night, per, I'm not a late night person. If that's what you are, um, I don't see why that's not okay. But so every morning, every morning, it says. And in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11, which is, which is a model prayer for us, right? The Lord gave, it's called the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually our prayer that God gave us as a model. <clears throat> it says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. So <clears throat> if we are supposed to pray for our daily bread every day, that would mean we're supposed to pray daily, right? Would that be the assumption? 
If we're supposed to pray for our daily bread every day, we're supposed to pray for our needs, the idea would be to we would be praying every day. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 6, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the, <clears throat> the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray thy to thy father which is in secret and the father which seeth thee in secret shall reward thee openly so we are supposed to have a time with God right the scripture is telling us that we're supposed to have we are supposed to have a time to pray with God to be alone with God first Thessalonians 5 and 7 says pray without ceasing it just says pray without ceasing 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, pray without ceasing. So <clears throat> what does that mean? Does that mean we're praying constantly? We, are, we never stop praying, we just keep praying and praying. But what it means is it's, it was actually used in, in the, the Roman times to, to signify a, a nagging cough. So it'd be like you have a cough and it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're that you're coughing constantly it means that every so often you would be coughing and so it's said that you you have a cough you have a cough well it, it same way it's it, with prayer is we're supposed to be where we do have that time with god but also throughout the day we're supposed to it's just a spirit or, or just prayer we just have a an attitude of prayer where it's like it's nagging and it's and it's just it's constant but it isn't it isn't it isn't comp, you know completely constant but it's over a period of time you do it every once in a while well you see a need come up you just pray when you see somebody that you might have to witness to you just pray so that's what praying without ceasing means You know, I remember actually last week I had a I had a rough week last week with with my job and Shelly asked me we were, we ended up driving to Fargo and um, she asked me in the car we were talking a little bit and she goes you know I was all worked up and and she says to me well did you pray about it and I kind of paused and I thought about it and I go I thought to myself you know what I probably I did pray about it but I probably fussed about it more than I prayed about it. Just worked me up. And um, so it, it is good to be in a spirit, have an attitude of prayer where you do when something comes up, you just pray about it. But I, like I said, I did more fussing about it than I did praying about it. But <clears throat> so how important was prayer? And I mentioned this before in Daniel you know, Daniel, he had, um, there were his fe the fellow leaders in the kingdom wanted to get, they were jealous of Daniel and wanted to get, get him and they couldn't get any, they had nothing on him. They couldn't, they couldn't pin anything on him and so they end up, 
they end up figuring, well, if I'm, we're going to do it, it's going to be something about his religion. And so they ended up making a decree, and King Darius signed it, and it was that nobody could pray to anybody but King Darius for 30 days. And, and Daniel, and it says in verse 10 of chapter 6, and now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he knelt upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. So here, David, you know, there was, there was probably some options he could have did, right? He could have he stopped praying for 30 days. He could have not opened up his windows. He could have probably traveled somewhere or found some place that wasn't, that, that they would not detect him that he was praying. And, but instead, he did, opened his windows just like he did. He acted like it, nothing's wrong, nothing's different. He just did it. And uh, it was a life or death. For him, it was a life or death situation. I pray, I probably die. I don't pray, I live. And he chose to pray. How important is prayer? And I think, you know, the question, the question isn't how important it was to Daniel to pray, right? The, que the question is how important it is for us to pray. How big of a priority it is in our life. <clears throat> Let's see. I got to time this right here. So there's, there's actually seven different Greek words that are used for prayer and, and, and has some kind of ax, a, a, aspect of prayer. And one of them, one of them is, is I'm, I won't, it's, it's Strong's Greek number 2169. I won't even try pronouncing it. But the idea behind it is being thankful to be thankful, to give thanks. And so that is, that is a big part of prayer, is being, it's something, I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a big person on, you know, I do say thanks for stuff and, and all that things, but I, that's something I really need to work on. I, I've worked on it, and I still have to work on it because I wanna be thankful. And I understand, I understand by people over the years of giving, and when you give to somebody that's grateful, they sometimes people are so grateful they actually draw stuff out of you. Have, has anybody ever been involved with anything like that? Where people are so great, they're so thankful for whatever you're gonna do for them, what are you, whatever you did, it, it almost draws it out of you. And I want to be that way with God, right? I want to be thankful for what God is giving me. I don't want to be looking at other things and other people and think, well, well, God, why didn't you give me that? Why didn't you make me like that? Why, you know, you, and we know that God is no respecter of persons, but I would just want to be thankful for what God has given me and what God, through prayer and where God is taking me from, I want to just be thankful for it. Another word, it actually, it actually, another Greek word actually speaks of, of having access, even a certain amount of boldness in prayer. 
So we actually have, we get access to God in, of course, um, Hebrews 4.16 comes to mind, let us therefore come boldly onto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in, to help in the time of need. So we have, a, we have a boldness. We can have a boldness and a, we actually have an access to God through prayer. second here I want to get to my there's just a I just have way too much stuff here I want to make sure I get to where I'm going so I will just pass over once I once I need to so there's in, in one of the big things about prayer is <clears throat> you know what I think I'm just going to pass over everything here There, I guess there's, I'll say this, Jude chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So we do, there is a part of prayer with praying with the Holy Ghost, right? We can, and it, in Ma, or, uh, Romans uh, chapter 8, it talks about um, not knowing what to pray for, and, and God gives us utterings and groanings that we can, cannot be uttered. We we understand that that God, His Spirit, has given us to help us. God's Spirit is given to us for help, and um, there's a lot of people. The Bible is the Bible is littered full of people that that didn't know what to pray and prayed wrong. You look at you look at um, Moses. Moses prayed to go into the, the promised land even when God told him not to. Paul prayed for the, the, the thorn in the, the flesh when God purposely gave him the, the thorn in flesh. So we understand we can miss the mark in our prayers and that's where praying in the Holy Ghost helps us. God, God didn't leave us without, a, without an option he gave us the Holy Ghost to help us with that. He didn't just leave, he just didn't leave us out there hanging. If we need, if we want help, pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, I am just going to move on. So, in James chapter four and verse two, it says. Ye lust and ye have not, ye kill and ye desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. So James, <clears throat> James says this, I guess really it's God telling us, right? This is what God is telling us. In this verse, I will just, I will just tell you my interpretation of this verse. When people want something they don't have, even wanting something someone else has, they will go to great efforts to get it. They will scheme, fight, wage a war, and even kill to get it. That's what this verse is saying. It's saying we lust after stuff. 
We will we lust, we'll lust after something that somebody has and we don't have, and maybe we just want the same thing, or we want something that somebody else has that, that's one of a kind, that that's all we can get that. Meanwhile, we will scheme, we will work, we will, we will war, we will fight to get it. And then God is comparing that. He's saying, he's saying in prayer, He's saying, all you have to do is ask, and you don't ask. That's all you have to do. Meanwhile, in the physical stuff, you will go to great lengths to get what you want. And all you have to do is ask in prayer, and you won't ask. That's what God, that's what God is saying there. And James has a way of being a little rough about it, right? That's just James in the book of James, the way the book of James is. And um, you know, the, James, this verse is telling us the great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayers, but they're unoffered prayers. That great tragedy isn't because God doesn't answer our prayers. The tragedy is we don't offer our prayers to God. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that findeth, or seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is heaven, give good gifts, good, good things to them that ask him? So, so he's saying to us, God is saying, Jesus is saying this, and he's saying, ask and it shall be given you. Ask and it shall be given you. Ye have not because ye ask not. John chapter 14, <clears throat> verse 13 and 14. John chapter 14, verse 13 through 14. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. <clears throat> you know, there's, there's 7,000, or 783,137 words in the King James Version Bible. About three quarters of a million words. And God uses, he repeats his point and uses eight words again. He says, he, in verse 30, he says, if you ask, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. In verse seven, 14, he says, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So he, he puts verse 14 in there, and he repeats it with, with eight words. And I, I, I can't help but think, you know, you, you got three quarters of a million words in the King James Bible to have to explain to mankind all of 
all of our problems, all of our solutions, and um, he could have he could have used um, he could have used eight of them and said he could have said your pets will be in heaven with you. Of course, you know, for those pet lovers, it, it would answer the question: Are you going to see your pet? And I know that's not an important question, right? It's not important. But I'm just saying that God could have used, he could have used, there's a lot of things. In fact, Brother Mike comes up to me this, this morning and he's talking about something about David and I, I just scratch my head. Yep, I have, those, I have those questions. I don't know. You know. God could have at least explained some of that stuff for us. But instead he repeats it. He says, it's so important <clears throat> that he says, if you ask it, I will do it. If you ask it, I will do it. He has to repeat himself. For us to believe God, you know, if you said it once, we should believe it, but if you say it twice, I guess maybe we'll believe it then. But if we ask, he'll do it. You know, we could, these two, these two portions of scripture here, you know, we could look into the Greek we could cross-reference the verses and, and find other verses that relate to it. We could diagram the sentence. We could, uh, we could make an outline. We could make sure that the context, what is the context of the following surrounding verses? And, and we could look into it if there's any historical or, uh, observations that we could learn from. We know, we know this was 2,000 years ago. There's probably something we might be missing here and, and we could bring out important points and make great observations, but how about if we just believe it? We could just take him for his word and believe it. That's what we could do. I have here, I put down I put down prayer is, and then I crossed out four words. I said, I was gonna, cause I don't, I don't, I mean, I just have a tough time putting an absolute statement like this here. But <clears throat> then I thought about it and I crossed the words out. I, I put down prayer is for the most part, and then I crossed those four words out and I put prayer is the greatest untapped resource in the world. The greatest untapped resource in the world is prayer. <clears throat> you know, and I, I know, <clears throat> I know um, that you're sitting there and you're saying, well, answered prayer is for everybody else, right? Anybody sitting there and saying, yeah, well, you know, a healing and having, having somebody healed and, and having a prayer answered, that's for the other person. And I think, I think one of our greatest problems that we run into is that we just don't think we're worthy of prayer, to have answered prayer, have God, God listen to us and to answer our prayers. Does anybody feel that way? That you're just unworthy? You know, but really prayer is a practice. Prayer is a practice. We're not going to be. We're not going to have prayer down. Prayer is. Prayer is a communication with God, to understand God, and it is a. It is to transform us. 
It's to transform you and me. It's not, a, it's not that we've arrived, that we've, we've arrived somewhere and we don't have to, we, we've reached a place where God will hear us. Okay, if we get this place in God, God will hear us all the time. He will hear us, and of course, I'm, there are scriptures that talk about that. I know that, and I'm, but I just feel, I actually had stuff in there, and I feel that I don't have to talk about that. I feel. That's, that's the direction I took. I've, I, I took the direction, the leading I took was that I don't have to tell you all the negative things about prayer, everything that we're not doing right about prayer. All I have to say is God is willing to listen to us. God wants to answer our prayer. God knows, he's saying if, if, if fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more do I know how to give, give good gifts? He's saying just ask, just ask. God is saying just ask. <clears throat> you know, so, So, you know, in Luke chapter 18, it talks about a Gentile. It talks about a Gentile having favor with God. Somebody that's, that'd be, that would be like somebody that's outside of this church, outside of a church. In our, in our New Testament time, so he's talking about, um, in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, and it is um, somebody outside of the church, but he was, he was a man, it says he was a devout man. He was devout, he gave, he gave money to the poor, and he prayed always. But do you think Cornelius started out that way? Of course he didn't, right? Cornelius didn't start out with this, this great man of prayer. <clears throat> He worked his way into it. He worked his way where, where finally God had to take notice of. He, in, and actually go to the Gentiles and pour out the Holy Ghost on the plan of salvation because of this man. But it was a, it was a, a progression in prayer. <clears throat> there were two men in, what oh, did I say? I don't remember if I, that was Acts chapter 10. I don't know if I said Luke 18. But Luke 18 talks about two men going up to the temple and he and one's a pharisee one's a publican and one was religious proud condescending self-righteous and condemned the other the other one was just religious enough to show up he was poor in spirit humble and he was justified and what the the point of this is is that you and i can do this we can do it you know, we can, God will hear our prayers and we can at least be, we can at least be religious enough to show up for prayer. We can be, we can have a poor spirit. We can understand that we need God. We can be humble, not that <clears throat> we can be humble towards God and we can be justified so God hears our prayers. You know, one of the greatest problems of prayer is that we do not feel worthy of God's answer. <clears throat> we just don't feel worthy that God would answer us. So, 
You know, in, in America, <clears throat> we are very in individuals. We are, we are, we just, we are, we pride ourselves on being able to do it ourselves. And, but the Bible, the Bible isn't that way. The Bible talks about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It talks about their descendants. It talks about the nation of the nation of Israel. It doesn't talk about single people. It's a community of people. And the New Testament tells us there the images that he gives us, he gives us the Bible gives us a flock of individuals with a shepherd. And and so we're a flock, but we're individuals. So there's there's this community, a flock, there's a one one image is a growing temple made of individual stones. One example is a one vine and many branches, right? There's vines and branches. There's one body, one body but many members. We are supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're supposed to prefer, prefer our brothers and sisters. So you understand, we get this concept of this Western, we have this Western mind of being an individual, but the Bible speaks about us as a community, brothers and sisters. It uses brothers and sisters too. I didn't put that one in there. So in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, it says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. So we're supposed to provoke each other onto good, and it means to uh, you mean to provoke means to you know just to encourage somebody to <clears throat> encourage somebody to good works, and you know <clears throat> at Christmas time did did anybody eat like a couple truckloads semi loads of sugar at Christmas time like me? Anybody else? I mean, I had my share of sugar at Christmas time, and it got to the point where we were we were winding down at Christmas time, and Sarah goes, she goes, okay, after <clears throat> after Christmas, I'm not going to drink pop anymore, and she she said to her family, her kids and Gabe, and she goes, whoever's the last one that doesn't drink pop gets fifty dollars. That was the challenge, and of course, I I was just going I didn't I wasn't going to get the $50 but I wanted the I wanted to outlast them and drink and pop because I had my fill at Christmas time it's like boy so I ended up joining in it and um and we would always talk did you did you did you drink pop? and Sarah would actually she would entice me with Shasta black cherry you know slide it in front of me <laughs> so it's like uh, but of course we're not supposed to do that when we're provoking each other to good works. We're not supposed to do that, try getting somebody to fail, but, but she was, we were just kind of made a joke of it and had a good time and, and we were trying to make it so we didn't have pop. And, um, but I wonder, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13 says, and this is one of those daily, actually I'm going to teach about this scripture. It says, but exhort one another daily, daily. 
exhort one another daily, while it is called today, least any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And it means to, exhort means to call upon someone to do something with the meaning of aid, help, comfort, encouragement. You're asking someone to do something for their benefit. And I cannot think of a better thing to do than to challenge somebody with prayer. Challenge somebody with prayer. Say, we are, have your, go to your friend and say, you know what, I am going to pray for 15 minutes, well, half hour. I'm going to pray for a half hour. I'm going to pray for 45 minutes. I'm going to pray for an hour. I challenge you that I will pray for an hour for the, forever. I challenge you that. And then encourage one another, right? Encourage one another. Why can't we do that? If we can do it over, over sugary water, why can't we do it in prayer? The Bible tells us that we are supposed to exhort one another daily. You know, I, I just, I, I, this, this verse, when I came across this verse, I thought to myself, my, that is hard. You gotta be intentional about exhorting one another daily. Does anybody exhort people daily? Does anybody do that? You know, there's some people that are really good at encouraging people. There are some people that are really, really good at it. And, um, <clears throat> but I, I read that and I think, is that possible? You know, we live in a, does, does, does not God know we live in a busy time? I mean, you know how busy we are? And to exhort, to take the time out of our life to, I mean, we're gonna, if we're going to have to pray in the morning and we're going to have to take our uh, time out of our day and exhort somebody and call somebody or send somebody a text or send somebody a letter to exhort someone daily, God has to know where the times we're living in. I mean, I look at that. We, we'd have to be intentional. I would have to be thinking about how to exhort people. Boy, that's, so take a daily challenge. If you cannot pray, challenge somebody and they, you challenge somebody to pray and say, you know, I'm going to be the last one standing. 45 minutes, a half hour, hour a day, I'm going to be the last person standing and, and make room for mistakes, right? Has anybody ever, has anybody ever vowed to, Pray an hour a day in their lifetime. Has anybody ever done that? Boy, I tell you what, I've done that. I did it for a long, long time, and it wasn't very convenient. There were times I'd have to play, pray where I was up for work and, and going early, and I'd have to pray tired at midnight or, you know, and of course I prayed during the day. I prayed, I remember one time driving to a motel and, and getting into a motel and late at night and then and being tired and, and praying, praying for an hour. Even though I did pray, I did the, you know, tried praying while I was driving and all those things, but it's still, I said, I am gonna dedicate an hour of prayer, just time to God for praying. And why can't we do that? And today is the day. Today is the day we can have a prayer life.
It is the most important thing we can do in our spiritual walk with God is to pray. And God wants us. He's saying, you just ask. Just try it. Just ask. If you ask, I will give it to you. Faithfulness. Faith, faithfulness is, a fundament, is fundamentally, it's a fundamental part of Christian living. And words to use to describe faithfulness are consistency, dependability, trustworthiness, and reliability. The key to everyday, the key to everyday Christian living is faithfulness to the basics. And the most, the most important basic thing with Christianity is prayer. Let's stand. I cannot possess, I will never, ever, ever possess something I do not pursue. I won't. If I did not pursue my wife, I would not have possessed her. I would not have married her if I would not have pursued her. We have to, we have to pursue Christian living. So I challenge you to, to pray. I challenge you. Let's pray, let's pray as we're dismissed. Lord, you're a great God. We thank you for your people. We pray, Lord, that you touch and help each and every one of us. I believe, Lord God, that you are willing and able to do this. I pray, Lord, that you'd help each and every one of us draw closer to you through prayer. In your precious name we pray. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed for about 10 minutes.